welcome to episode 196 of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to figure out the origin of the newest trending meme. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we are talking about board game trends. First, we discuss some games we've played recently, Around the World in 80 Games, Keep It 100, and Castles of Mad King Ludwig Renovations. Then, We talk about past trends in games and make predictions about future trends. And now, here are your hosts, Ambie and Crystal. I got a review copy of a book recently, not a board game. Well, I have gotten review copies of board games, but I'm talking about a book now. I don't now. think you have to clarify that. You, <laughs> you, you should be like, on, in every episode, you should be like, I have received no review copies recently, and I'm disappointed in all of you publishers. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I recently read a book called Around the World in 80 Games. So this is, I think it is out now. I was waiting until it came out to talk about it because I got a pre-release special copy. I don't know what they're called for books. I think it's called that. I think you got it probably. special copy? Yeah. Okay. Well, a pre- pre-release <laughs> copy or preview copy probably, something yeah. like that. But anyways, the reason I'm talking about this is because it's about board games. If you can tell around the world in 80 games, that's board games, not video games. So this is by Marcus Du Sautoy. He's a professor of mathematics at Oxford, and he's written other books, but I think this is his first book about board games. But basically, he's a professor of mathematics, so he's talking about games related to math. He has 80 different games in the book, and a lot of them are like historical games. So he's actually going around the world, and I guess he travels a lot, and when he travels, he likes to learn about the people's cultures by like seeing what games they play or like what games are in their history. So the book is organized into different sections of different like parts of the world and then talks about games that came from that part of the world. So it starts out in the Middle East, there's Backgammon, the Royal Game of Ur, Senate, Rolling Bones, Symmetrical Dice, the Doubling Cube. Oh, the Doubling Cube's not a game, that's just... <laughs> that, like He talks about dice, the origins of dice and the origins of cards and stuff later. So it has a lot of interesting history and it was fun learning about all those different games and cultures around the world. And it also goes into sometimes the math of games games and like the math explains how the games work so that was kind of interesting too like it went over spot it so in spot it there's so many pictures on a card but they're all different there's a whole deck of cards and each card has different pictures on it and each pair of cards is going to have one match between them and so it went over the math of like how that worked which was interesting Oh, it also went over Set, the history of the game Set, which is another pattern recognition game. That started out as looking for patterns in genetic data on dogs, apparently, and then they turned it into a game. <laughs> that is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there was some like interesting history games about it. So for the most part, I enjoyed like learning about the history and stuff. Sometimes the math was a little confusing. There would be sections of math, and then it's like reading the math equation. And for me, when I read math, I tend to like not read it all the way through, which which makes it confusing because I just like skim over it. It's not super math heavy, so it's not really that confusing. And the math parts are separated into little box sections outside of the main story. So if you're not into math, I do like math, even though I'm not great at reading math, but like I, I did read over it and actually like pause to read it. And so that was good. But if you don't like math, you can skip over those sections easily and just read about like the history of games. So that was Around the World in 80 Games. I enjoyed reading that because I like math. I like board games and learning about the history of the board games was interesting. So if you like reading 
and you want to learn about like old board games is mostly old board games, not the modern board games, uh, but like old board games in history. Then around the world in 80 games was an interesting read. Ambie, I don't know if you know this, but I watch a lot of videos on YouTube. I actually subscribed to YouTube's back when it was called YouTube Red. Now it's mm. YouTube Premium. And mm. I have a grandfathered account where mine is cheaper than everybody else's Ooh. at this point. Yeah, like that's how early I subscribed to that because I don't want to see ads on YouTube because I watch too much content there. All of this is to say that one of my favorite YouTube channels since 2018, so five years ago, is Cut. Cut is a YouTube channel where they do a bunch of different kinds of content, very people-centric content, where they're interviewing people or having people play games, very like interesting types of things, putting people in interesting social situations. And we recently got an email from someone at Cut Games, and I kind of lost my mind because I was very excited. <laughs> about it I immediately wrote back and told them I was like I'm your biggest fan which I'm probably <laughs> not their biggest fan but I told them how much I love their content and what's neat mm -hmm. is that some of the games they play on their YouTube channel they have turned into physical board games that you can purchase and play at home they've actually sent out some review copies to us one of the games both of us got is called Keep It 100 which we teased in our last episode and then I also got a copy of another game from them that I'll be talking about in a future episode but we're going to be focusing on Keep It 100 today. Ambie, do you want to tell us a little bit about how Keep It 100 works? All right, so Keep It 100 is a party game that can be competitive or cooperative. If you've played Timeline, it's kind of like that, but with answers to questions, like polls of Human people. psychology human, yeah. instead of human history. <laughs> yeah, so in Timeline or, well, in this game, there's a line that starts out with one card of numbers and you're trying to place your card in the correct position on the line. A number from one to 100. And so like if the number starts at 90 or something, you're like, okay, I think this one's below 90 or whatever. And then this one's between those two or whatever. You have to put it in the right spot. And as there's more cards there, it's harder to put it in the right spot because there's not as many big gaps. But the cards that you're putting in timeline, it's like history dates. In this one, it's they pulled 100. Well, they say they actually pulled more than 100 most of the times, but they take a percentage of the people who say yes to certain questions. Like, do you drink more than three alcoholic drinks a week? So it's like, okay, how many people would say yes to that? I think, I don't know. I'm, I'm really bad at this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the questions, they range all over the place. Mm -hmm. Like 100 adults in the US, do you know mm -hmm. how to jumpstart a car? Or mm -hmm. 100 people that have multiple pets, are all of your pets good? Like really interesting stuff that you're like, <laughs> you wouldn't immediately know the answer to. And yeah. you're trying to say how many people out of 100 answered that question? Yes. Yeah, it's really hard. So I played the cooperative version, which in that you're just like discussing together and then one person gets the final say of where to put it and you have so many lives until you lose and you're trying to get I think 10 cards placed yeah you're trying to do 10 right before you get five wrong yeah we only placed like five cards we were pretty bad but like we kept we kept reading the question and we're like yes <laughs> like wait but we have to know how many say yes and I'm like, huh. And then we would be off. So I actually, I primarily played this the competitive way, which plays a little bit mm -hmm. differently. So you actually have two lines.
lines to start instead of a single line. Oh. And you can play cards into either line at any point. So you have more flexibility, which is good because it gets mm -hmm. tough quick. Each player has five cards to start in their hand. And once everyone has played out all of their cards, then you count up who has the most points and that person wins. And the way you earn points is if it's your card, you have to place it somewhere in the line based on what mm -hmm. numbers are already there. And then everyone else gets to vote if they think the correct answer is lower than your guess, if your guess is spot on or higher than your guess. Mm. And then by higher than, it means like the next jump up in the range, oh, obviously, okay, okay. not just numerically higher, but like if you placed it in the wrong spot, they think it should have mm -hmm. been in the next higher spot on the line. And you get 10 points if you're one of the betters and 20 points if you're the person who is actually placing the card. It is fun and I'm really good at it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like human psychology, how people think and why people think the way they think, like this is exactly how my brain loves to operate because I kept like going in circles that like my friends were just like looking at me like I was crazy because there were questions where I'm like, okay, it's not just do they actually do this thing? Because you might think, oh, okay, do they say that their pets are, are they all good? No, it's yeah. that's not what you're actually measuring. You're measuring whether you think humans will admit that yeah. <laughs> not all of their pets are good. So it's, it's more nuanced than you would initially think. You're not just saying like exactly that. You're trying to think what would people admit to? And what's mm -hmm. really cool is there's a uh, code on the bottom of every card in the deck. You can actually go to their website and they have the source of the specific information for every single card. Oh, really? I didn't look see up. that. Yeah, you can look up the source of oh, every I was, single card. I was card. trying to see like where they got their things from because like a lot of times we're like, wait, was this anonymous when they do the things? Or like, how did they do this? And we weren't sure because I was like looking in so, the whole book and stuff. I didn't see. Yeah, because Keep It 100 did not okay. do all of the polling. They did some of yeah. it, but not all of it. And yeah, you can look up on their website every single card to see where it was sourced Oh, okay. From, I didn't know it had it. Which I think is really neat. And they, they do admit in the rule book, they're like, mm -hmm. we know that these groupings are not necessarily representative, right? Yeah. Like if you ask 100 people, even from a specific group, like, is that supposed to be statistically sound sometimes yes sometimes no and mm -hmm. they admit that they know that these are not perfect representations of the groupings <laughs> they represent but that's kind of the fun of it so I adore this game. I'm so enamored with it. This is going to be, I think, a party game staple for me. And there are enough cards in the box that I'm not worried about remembering things. Mm -hmm. Like there's enough that I'll be going through cards for a long time. And even if something were to come up again, I'll be like, oh, I remember seeing this card, but I'm not going to remember the <laughs> numbers, maybe, unless yeah. it was something like really extreme one way or the other. I didn't like it as much as you, but... <laughs> <laughs> it didn't sound like my type of game at first. I'm not big fan of timeline type. I mean, timeline's okay, but yeah. And then human psychology, I'm also not into because I don't like people. But <laughs> <laughs> present company excluded, of course. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so yeah, it was hard for our group. And the cooperative version, like I thought maybe I would like it a little more because it's cooperative. I mentioned before when we did our trivia episode how I don't like like trivia games that much, but maybe cooperative one I might like better. But like all of us were equally bad at it. So it didn't really <laughs> help. And then we were all just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I think I truly would hate playing this cooperatively because I, <laughs> I tend to have very strong opinions sometimes. 
things. And mm-hmm. if someone else did not agree with me, I don't <laughs> think I would handle it well. <laughs> like, I'm a very lovely person, I swear. But sometimes in games like this, I'm like, no, this is where it needs to go. The good thing about the cooperative version, I think, is that it led to interesting discussions about like why it needed to go there. I don't know if that would happen in the competitive version because you're not like trying to convince someone where it goes, right? What's interesting is we did do that anyway. (laughs) When people were voting after somebody Uh would place their card, they would be like, it's obviously lower because X, (laughs) Y, and Z. So like Uh we were even, it's not that we were trying to help each other per se, but it Mm -hmm. it just kind of naturally flowed out Uh, of us that we wanted to justify. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. like we wanted to justify our decisions to the others. And if they decided to go with us, who cares? They get 10 points, whatever. But like, yeah, I just, we didn't like make a conscious decision to do that, Mm -hmm. but it happened anyway. Cool. So that was Keep It 100 from Cut Games. You can purchase it directly from their website. And I do recommend y'all check out their YouTube channel. They make a lot of really awesome content over there. Last up for recently played games, I got to try the new expansion for Castles of Mad King Ludwig called Castles of Mad King Ludwig Renovations. This expansion is not going to retail per the listing on Board Game Geek, but I did check and you can purchase it directly from Bezier Games' website. So that's why I'm comfortable talking about it because you still can get it even if you didn't back it on Kickstarter. So for those of you who are not familiar with the base game Castles of Mad King Ludwig, all of the players are architects who have been tasked with building the Mad King a castle. And that castle is going to look real wild by the time you're done with it. The types of rooms that you have available to you and the layout of the castle, it's all going to be kind of banana pants by the time you're done with it. One person is setting the price of the rooms that are available each round and then the other players are deciding which rooms they want to purchase based on how much they're willing to spend. Then you add those rooms to your house, you get bonuses depending on rooms that are touching other types of rooms, and then there are some scoring objectives that can trigger at the end of the game both public and private that will get you bonuses depending on what exists in your castle. Also when you completely fill a room's doors, meaning it all of its doors are connected to other rooms appropriately, you get to trigger a bonus action and the bonus actions differ depending on the type of room. So what renovations does is it adds a new type of room that are dual room types. So the rooms that get added are two different types of rooms at the same time. They're split diagonally down the middle and when you place them it counts as both type of room that the colors are on it and it will score as both of those room types and if you fill in the doors you'll get the bonuses of both of those room types but what's interesting about the renovation tiles is they are kept separate from the regular tiles that are set up in the bidding line every round and they have a set price as well the types of renovation tiles that come out are determined by what regular rooms come out. So you always have things that will fit with the tiles that have kind of already been coming out. Renovations must be placed over existing tiles in your castle though. They can't be placed on just the table. They have to be on top of something you've already built, hence the word renovation. So I've always enjoyed playing Castles of Mad King Ludwig, but it's never been like a game that I've been like in love with. Every time I've played it, I've enjoyed it, but I'm never clamoring for it. And the thing that has frustrated me me the most about it is there have been certain points in certain games where there were certain types of rooms that I really needed or certain sizes of rooms that I really needed and based on whoever laid out the the tiles for 
for a particular round, I either wouldn't be able to afford what I needed or somebody else would buy the one that I wanted and then there wouldn't be anything for me that really helped me at all. There would be some rounds where I just kind of felt like there's nothing good for me here. This expansion completely fixed that problem for me because you, there's always renovations off to the side that are available as well. So there are lots more options available for you during a round and those renovation tiles make some really cool abilities like being able to trigger multiple bonuses at the same time and also score rooms as multiple room types at the end of the game can be really really valuable. It does add also some more cards into the game like the bonus cards and the end game scoring stuff so lots more content in general but obviously those rooms are the biggest deal in this. I would say if you are someone who is a fan like if you really like Castles of Mad King Ludwig you should definitely take a look at this expansion. I don't know how long it's going to be available since they said it's not coming to retail but I think at least for me it improved the game experience by a good amount and it was very fun. So that's Castles of Mad King Ludwig Renovations from Bezier Games. Ambie, if there is one thing that you and I are, it's trendsetters. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> okay, that's not true at all. But <laughs> we are going to talk about some of the trends that have happened in board games over the years. And mm -hmm. maybe we'll even try and predict what some future <laughs> trends will be. And if we get them right, yeah, I mean, if, if we're wrong, it won't be surprising, right? But if we get them right, how cool would that be? Then we'll be trendsetters. <laughs> then we will be trendsetters. So anybody listening to this, when it drops, if one of these things that we predict comes true, come back to us and be like, whoa, y'all are awesome. <laughs> yeah. So recently there's been a lot of trends well, I guess there has always been trends in board gaming, but like, you know, after the fact. So like recently there's a trick-taking trend, right? Yeah. Which is, which it surprised games, me yeah. so much that uh, the, the mm -hmm. Western world kind of got enamored with trick-taking all of a sudden. Yeah. Well, trick-taking was like, I mean, a lot of old card games were trick-taking. Like everyone used to play or everyone used to have hearts on their computer. <laughs> That's like a classic trick-taking game. But but yeah, recently a lot of trick-taking games with a twist have come. And uh, a lot of them are coming over from Japan to the US and like other places. So like Japan, I think, had a lot of trick-taking games. I don't know when they started that or like if they just always had those or if it's a trend there or just like that's that's a lot of games for them because I know a lot of card games are popular in Japan so it makes sense to have trick taking games there. Yeah, and we've we've definitely seen more western publishers picking mm -hmm. up games from Asian publishers and yeah. printing them over here like that has become more and more prevalent as the years have passed so this one I guess mm -hmm. does kind of feel like a natural progression but I just mm -hmm. didn't expect it because I yeah. love trick-taking games and so I'm <laughs> excited that there have been more getting published here in the states yeah and before that, another one you like is Roll and Write Games. Oh, yeah, man. For a while there, it was a deluge of Roll mm -hmm. and Write Games. Like, I think Gone's Shown Clever was kind of like one of the catalysts for that. Because that Wolfgang Warsh kind of hit the scene 
and became mm-hmm. such a big deal so quick. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the popularity of his games in general affected mm-hmm. a, a lot of different stuff. But I think his role in Right Games specifically inspired a lot of other people. And so, yeah, we've seen so many Roll and Write games come out in the past five years or so. And mm-hmm. I would say it's too many, but there is no such thing. Because if people are enjoying the games, then that's not too many. So I think also... Well, I don't know if this was part of the trend, but like with free print and play games, at least there's a lot of roll and write ones. They came out during the pandemic because like people were making just one page roll and write things that people could play at home and then giving them away for free. So that might have helped a little bit, but that's with like free print and play games, (laughs) not necessarily published ones. Yeah, I mean, roll and writes kind of lend themselves to print and play, right? Because you don't have to cut out anything generally, or not much, but generally a piece of paper or a couple pieces of paper and a writing utensil are all you need. Mm -hmm. Another trend that actually kind of, I think it was part of, but not like completely in line with the roll and write trend was the polyomino trend. Mm -hmm. We have had a lot of polyomino games in the past few years, some of which were roll and write games. And in fact, our friends Mm -hmm. over at Covray have been celebrating Polyama November (laughs) over on their YouTube channel and putting out tons of content about Polyamino games. And we actually are in one of their videos Mm -hmm. for this month. So if you're not familiar with their content, we'll drop a link to their YouTube channel in the show notes. But go check out their channel. They're super lovely and their content is amazing. So yeah, go check out their videos. Yeah, and the one that I talk about, Patchwork, was like the first that set off that craze of polyomino games, I think. Oh, yeah, because Uwe... Yeah, he, he, he did like four polyomino games in a row or something. Right, and didn't like, aren't all the polyomino games, like they all come from one of his larger games or something? Or a Feast all... for o- Odin, yeah. So like, I think yeah. he was making a Feast for Odin and that has a polyomino part in it. And then he just like did a spinoff of the polyomino part and made that Patchwork before a Feast for Odin came out, I think. Okay. I like Patchwork better. I mean, I've never played a feast for odin but i love patchwork it's a great game the halloween version is the best version Mm, i haven't played that one they rebalanced one of the tiles i don't remember which one But there have been trends in gaming, even back when I first got into the hobby back in like Mm -hmm. 2007, there were a bunch of zombie games around that time. that was a long trend. Like creepy (laughs) kind of horror games and zombie games were all over the place. Like Last Night on Earth was a big deal back then. I had that one, yeah. Betrayal at House on the Hill was popular Mm -hmm. back then. I mean, it's still popular today because it's kind of an evergreen. I remember like when Dead of Winter came out because that was like the newer one but like it was different <laughs> yeah it was like it was still a zombie theme but then it was different and it's like oh okay yeah and that was what 2015 i don't i don't remember but yeah zombies was a long trend <laughs> yeah i mean zombies is still people make zombie games all the time right i feel like it's not as talked about anymore though like no but i think the games still exist like zombicide <laughs> is still making content i know they are because mm. people will yeah. still buy it I think it's less problematic. If you're going to have a game that has bad guys in it, making them zombies is easier than trying to pick something more quote unquote realistic. We've definitely seen some other trends come through. Mm -hmm. The legacy game trend that some publishers kind of tried to hop onto. I actually thought we would see more legacy games than we did. I would really be curious to know how many legacy games died in development. Because I Mm -hmm. bet there were a bunch of publishers who were working on legacy games at one point that never came to fruition. I would Mm -hmm. guess that that is the case. Yeah, I feel like the legacy game 
trend didn't like trend as much and then it kind of turned into campaign games that's more of a trend than legacy games yeah and a lot of now the legacy yeah. games are also campaign games yeah you, you basically kind of to do a good legacy game nowadays it feels like you have to have a really good story it's not mm-hmm. just play the same game over and over again and change it yeah. each time there has to be a narrative otherwise mm-hmm. i think it what doesn't work i've heard good things about the new ticket to ride legacy and i oh, really yeah, me too. want to play it <laughs> I kind of want to wait to play it with my kids when they're older, (laughs) but that'll be a while. Yeah. Another trend that I really liked was escape room games. Oh my gosh, so good. (laughs) I I just don't want that trend to ever end. Yeah, it's still going, I would say. (laughs) Escape room games and escape room type games. Yeah, I love those. I want all of them. And I think it's definitely become more mainstream. I think it has reached a little beyond just hobby board gamers because I've Mm -hmm. seen escape room board games at physical escape rooms where like people go to those that are not hobby board gamers. I've seen things like that and I think the idea of an escape room in a box is becoming more well known. Yeah. I think the pandemic Especially also with the has pandemic, something yeah. to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then with that, people who don't play board games but do escape rooms, they'll know, okay, they'll uh, kind of understand what that is and so it's easy for them to get into an escape room board game. It's I mean, like you don't even have to call it a board game. It's an escape room in a box, right? It's a take-home escape room. Like that's what it is. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I I love all of those. So <laughs> more, give me more. <laughs> We've also seen a bunch of app-driven games. I think it was kind of like there were a few at first and everybody got paranoid because the the internet (laughs) went, what's going to happen in a few years? Like, what? No. And like everybody was worried. Then there were some board games that utilized apps in really interesting ways. One of the games that did something unique with phones was World of Yoho, which holy moly, that came out in 2016. (laughs) That was seven years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. I honestly, I've never played the game and I genuinely don't know if it, I would hope that the app still functions for people that have the game. I I assume it does, but I don't actually know if it does. So, but yeah, people were paranoid about app-driven games and I don't think their fears for the most part have come to fruition. The only one that I've experienced, which I am super sad about, is Drop Mix because Harmonix stopped supporting it and the app is no longer available Mm. to be downloaded. I have the app because I had downloaded it previously but I had cards that I had not scanned in and so I don't have a way to scan them in anymore Mm -hmm. because it won't recognize them and so I've looked online there are people who are like trying to use like NFC tech to like figure it out and whatever so I I believe at some point I'll be able to make it all work again I hope but that one's kind of a bummer for me yeah what do you think will be future trends in the near future? Well, it's a matter of like, what do I think or what do I want? What, I what do you want? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would love for I Split You Choose to have a moment because mm. I think it's a really interesting yeah. mechanism that hasn't been utilized in that many games. And I think it's a really interesting way for players to divvy things up 
to give agency to their their opponents. I've been playing a lot of The Great Split recently, which I did review on the podcast a handful of episodes back. Mm-hmm. It's in alpha on Board Game Arena right now. So I've been playing it a lot and I still really love it. But yeah, like other than I own New York Slice, which is also I Split You Choose. But other than that, I don't think I own any other I Split You Choose games and I would buy more. I want more. So uh, publishers, if you have an I Split You Choose game, that you're developing and you would like someone to play it please hit me up (laughs) (laughs) for me i i kind of hope for more real-time games specifically real-time cooperative games which we have been getting more recently than we used to have but i don't know if it's very realistic because like people are playing online more right and that's not really real-time games don't work that great oh gosh uh, no they don't at all i tried (laughs) to play magic maze on board game arena Uh, it was horrible (laughs) like war Worst experience ever. Yeah. I I mean, I don't like Magic Maze in person, so I'm really the wrong person for this, but it was misery. (laughs) Yeah, I can't really imagine playing most real-time games online. So, I mean, I don't play games online either, but like real-time games, like how would you even do that? I don't know. But I do like real-time games a lot, and I just, I'm always excited whenever I see a new one. So maybe they could make a trend at some point. (laughs) Another one that also does not work online <laughs> would be dexterity games. Oh, yeah. I guess those are, they sometimes have treads in like children's games or something. I don't know. But I feel like dexterity games are, there's always like the big dexterity games and then you forget about them. But <laughs> yeah, that could be a trend maybe. But yeah, once again, probably not realistic if people are playing online more. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, right? Like I could see dexterity games having a moment in the near future because we're still kind of coming out of the pandemic-y times. And so I wonder if as more people start getting together in person more and more Mm -hmm. and more, like that'll just continue to grow, if there will be more of a desire for... dexterity games. Yeah, something like that. I mean, we talked about Bluey Keepy Uppy in our last episode. (laughs) And that's uh, That's, that's dexterity. That is a real-time dexterity And it's (laughs) real-time. And I have also now... So in our last uh, recording, I had only seen like two episodes of Bluey. I've now watched like 50 episodes of Bluey. They're only seven minutes long for those of you who are not familiar. So it's not like I've only been watching Bluey and nothing else. But the Keepy Uppy episode was great. I would like to see marbles as a trend. (laughs) We've had games with marbles come and go over the years. Like we had Potion Explosion has the tracks with the marbles Mm -hmm. in it. That was really innovative and cool. Fireball Island, obviously one of the coolest modern games with marbles in it. The the remake of the older game. There was Gizmos that came after Potion Explosion. I think people thought it was a trend then, right? I think they did. Like when Gizmos came out, they were like, ugh, is this another Potion Explosion? It's like, no, it's really technically the, the marble thing in game. that one does kind of feel like a gimmick. <laughs> like it doesn't really contribute to the game experience that much, but I still like Gizmos as a game. But yeah, I don't know. I think marbles are interesting in how they can be utilized both in dexterity senses and in other ways, like they are in like potion explosion, things like that. So I would love to see some more games with marbles in them. Yeah, there could be a real-time dexterity game with marbles and I split you choose. 
who's coming out and then we'll get all of our trends so what you're saying is we need to remake the mcdonald's game because it had marbles in it that you throw into the little mcdonald's sign and it was real time it wasn't cooperative gotta get restoration games working on that yeah somehow i feel like mcdonald's the company is probably not gonna be so keen on that so we'll have to like make it like mix something else (laughs) well obviously we are not actual trendsetters we don't know what's coming in the near years but we'd love to hear from you all what your favorite trends in board gaming have been either in theme or in mechanism and let us know what you think the upcoming trends might be drop us a note in our discord or on social media and let us know what you think and that's it for this week's board game blitz visit our website boardgameblitz.com for more content and links This episode was sponsored by Grey Fox Games. Did you miss out on the recent World of Midgard Kickstarter campaign? Don't fret! Late pledges are available now for both Clans of Midgard and Reavers of Midgard the card game. And if you want to pick up some games at greyfoxgames.com, you can get 10% off your entire order, including promos, exclusives, and upgrades not available anywhere else by using the code BGBLITZ2023 at checkout. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord for game nights, discussions, and more by following the link in the show notes. Support the show by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. And if you like us a lot and want to support us monetarily and get some cool perks, check out our Kofi at ko-fi.com slash boardgameblitz today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Until next time, any game you pick, I'll play it with you. I'll play it with you until we're done. Bye, everyone. Poly November. Uh, Wait, wasn't it Polyama November? Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't didn't say the whole word. Yeah. I'm going to start. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It was something nautical and you had to put your phone on the board and move it around. Like (laughs) yo-yo? Oh, yes. It did have like yo, yo or yo-yo in the title. I'm just looking up yo on Board Game Geek and that's not... Hold Not on, I'm going to go to Google. Yo. Board oh. game. Yo, yo. World of Yoho. I found it. Oh, world of, yeah. World of Yoho. That would be it. I remembered the yo-yo. <laughs> yo-ho. <laughs> All right.